This is episode 425 of The Ziggler Show, and today we have Zig expounding on the message we shared in the previous show, number 424. He continues on about how, with anger and unforgiveness, we're hurting ourselves voluntarily handicapping our own success. In this segment, he leads off talking about blame, big issue. Now, folks, before you think you're above this, I challenge you to listen to him for a mere two minutes and then encourage you to listen to the end of his talk and listen to Tom Ziegler and I discuss the reality that very, very few of us escape the clause of blame in our life to some degree. Getting free of it may be the ticket we need to get out of jail for our life. Let's do it. what you are and where you are because of what's gone into your mind. You can change what you are. You can change where you are by changing what goes into your mind. You cannot become what you need to be by remaining what you are. If you can't take a huge step to begin with, take as big a step as you can, but take it now. That's the key. Take it now. You can have everything in life you want if you'll just help enough other people get what they want. Today's a brand new day, and it's yours. Hi, everyone. This is Kevin Miller, host of The Ziggler Show, where we're here for one reason, to inspire your true performance. We all want to have and achieve certain things. What we have will be dependent upon what we do. Our society voraciously consumes info on what and how to do things so we can have. But to really do the right things, Zig tells us we have to first be the right person. That's what we're discussing in today's show and most all of our shows, how to be better, different, so we can do the right things to have what we desire. If today's show sparks some ideas, thoughts, concerns, or questions, please let Tom Ziegler and I know. We'll discuss them in an upcoming Q&A show on these topics. Send your question or comment to ask at zigshow.com. Okay, folks, here then is Zig, then Tom Ziegler and I will be with you to discuss these issues further. Here we go. When you've been blaming somebody else for your problems all of your life, now all of a sudden you forgive them, you can no longer blame them. That means you're now accepting responsibility for your future. And that's the most important step you will ever take, accepting that responsibility. Because you'll discover the load is so much lighter that you can move so much faster. Marcus Aurelius put it this way. How much more grievous are the consequences of anger than the causes of it? I love what author Bill O'Hearn says in uh, one of uh, his little books. He makes the observation that imagine in life that you're given so many grams or ounces or BTUs of energy. And that every time uh, you love somebody and are nice to somebody, you're given an extra portion of energy. Now, when all the energy is gone, that's the end of your life. And he said, imagine that every time you seek revenge and let anger control your life, that a double portion of that energy is burned. He said, in short, what you're doing is shortening your own life. Now, incidentally, that's exactly what the doctor says about it. You need to learn to forgive. In our society today, we need not only forgiveness, 
But we need to develop that little sense of humor to go along with it. I, I love the story of the lady who went in the, uh, in the grocery store and ordered a 25-pound turkey. And uh, the butcher said, well, now, we don't have a 25-pounder, but he said, I can get it for you. She said, no, I didn't want to buy it. I just wanted to look at it. He said, well, why would you want to look at a 25-pound turkey? She said, I've been on a diet, and I've just lost 25 pounds, and I wanted to see what it looked like in one spot. Now, I believe, uh, ladies and gentlemen, that we need to learn to laugh at a lot of things. Now, in this forgiveness bit and in life itself, we need to remember that in the process, the strong and the wise admit they have weaknesses. Let me say it again. The strong and the wise admit they have weaknesses. Now, that's an indication of a healthy self-image. You know, it doesn't bother me that I can't perform an appendectomy. As a matter of fact, there are over 50,000 ways in America to earn a living that I don't know how to do. Why should we get concerned about what we cannot do, ladies and gentlemen? Why not concentrate on the things which we can do? Admit when you have a weakness. Let me give you some examples. If you had a broken leg, you wouldn't hesitate to go to the doctor to get it fixed. If uh, you uh, had a serious drinking problem, if you're wise and strong, you will admit you cannot handle it. You will seek help of some kind through AA or any number of other sources, but you'll say, hey, I got a problem, I can't solve it. Won't you help me? Well, a lot of times counseling with a godly counselor will help you to forgive that person if you cannot handle it yourself. Let me give another example. My son Tom and his wife Chachis had gotten on various uh, proper eating programs and exercise programs before uh, Tom needed uh, to lose about 45 pounds. And he'd been on and off and on and off. Well, he went to see Dr. Kipper, who's been a friend of mine for so many years and had been so helpful to me. He checked out to find out exactly where he was. And then he joined a health club and hired a trainer. Now, why would he hire a trainer? You can learn what to do, but how many of you know what to do and still don't do it? Can I see your hands, please? How many of you ever turned in a report or a paper in school when you didn't really want to, but your new teacher demanded and inspected it, so you showed up with the paper? Now, a lot of us just flat on occasion until a habit becomes a permanent part of us. We need somebody to assist us in our discipline. Tom needed to lose that weight. Chachis, on the other hand, uh, needed to gain some weight and she needed to get stronger. They both hired a trainer. Now let me emphasize the point. You're talking about all of the moaning and groaning. Uh, you know, the first few weeks they'd come in, oh, I'm so tired. First few days, oh, I'm so sore. But they knew that was going to happen. They had made the commitment. Bottom line, as Chachis has gained the seven pounds, has gotten considerably stronger, and the way she feels, her energy level dramatically increased. My son Tom has lost over 40 pounds, his energy level higher, and guess what that also did to both of their self-images? They had a problem. They said, I can't solve it. Won't you help? A good health to self-image will let you do that. So important. Now, you need to forgive yourself. Now, that too might take counseling. You know, in the case particularly of sexual abuse, 
and especially of incest, the victim is often persuaded by the perpetrator, it's all your fault. Well, let me give you this assurance. If you were a child when that happened, there is nothing on earth you could have done to have prevented it. There is nothing you could have done to have stopped it. If you have any guilt feelings, it is because the perpetrator planted those feelings of guilt and fear as the incidents were taking place. If you cannot forgive yourself, then you need to go and get some counseling and get that forgiveness. How important is your self-image? Let's play a game just for a moment. Let's pretend, and incidentally, the steps I've now given you will bring you right up to ground zero. You're no longer in the well, you're up to ground zero. But let's say that uh, in this little game we're going to play, let's pretend that one morning as you're getting ready to go to work, the telephone rings. And the voice at the end says, Charlie, you know, I hope I didn't wake you up and I don't want to slow you down from getting to work on time. But you know, I've been thinking about you. And I just wanted to call you and tell you how much I admire and respect you. You know, you're the kind of person that I just flat enjoy being around. When I'm with you, I'm always encouraged and enthused. You know, Charlie, if there were more people like you, we would have a much better world to live in. Man, if I could spend five minutes a day with you, I'd be able to turn this world upside down. Man, uh, I hope you live a long, happy, and prosperous life so you can encourage other people as you encourage me. That's all I wanted to say, Charlie. Talk to you later, and he hangs up. Now, let me emphasize a point. The call was from a close friend. You knew he was sincere. Here's my question. What kind of day would you have? Would it be a pretty good day? Let me ask you a question. If you were a salesperson out making sales calls, would you be more enthusiastic, more persuasive, more committed, and do a better job that day? How many of you believe that you would? If you were a physician, would you be a better doctor that day? If you're an attorney, would you be a better attorney? If you're a school teacher, would you be a better teacher? If you're a mom or a dad, would you be a better parent? How many of you believe you would be better at all of those things after you received such a call, all right? Let me tell you why you would be. You say, well, I'm an asset to my community. I'm a credit to my profession. That old boy said so, and he is one more smart cookie. Now, you would not argue with him. He would have taught you nothing about being a better doctor, a better salesman, a better lawyer, a better parent, a better teacher, but you would be better at all of them because all of a sudden, the picture you have of yourself, that attitude toward yourself, has taken a substantial change. And when that happens, performance goes Zig got into some deep water there, and I have Tom Ziegler in the studio. We're going to break this message down for easier consumption so you can apply it to your lives. Before I bring Tom on, I want to thank NerdWallet for their support of this episode of The Ziegler Show. Folks, I went to Cancun not long ago. On a, it was to an all expenses paid resort, it cost nearly six hundred bucks per day. My wife and I went for six days. I only paid for two. How I simply made all my purchases on a credit card that offered the right rewards instead of using my debit card. It's money I was going to spend anyways. We flew for free as well. Uh, same thing. We with hundreds of different credit cards out there though, choosing one that gets you what you want is complex. Finding the right card at Nerd Wallet, however, is fast. 
Their personalized tools let you compare over 1,700 credit cards in seconds, making it easy to find and apply for your next credit card that gives you bonuses for using it. NerdWallet does the work for you. Their financial experts give you straightforward, no hype reviews, just clear and honest information. That's how my wife got us these incredible deals. You no know, getting bogged down in the fine print either. Hey, I, I also recently flew 11 family members to a family reunion. I only paid 1300 bucks after using a bunch of rewards miles. So get all you can from the money you spend, but of course, pay it off at the end of the month. Visit nerdwallet.com slash Ziggler. Again, that's nerdwallet.com slash Ziggler. All right. So Mr. Tom Ziggler, my friend, uh, we're not going to do a show together after this for a couple of weeks because you are leaving the country. Not that we couldn't do it via Skype anyways, but it's a hassle. So uh, where are you going? All right. So let me give you what's up in Ziggler world. The next two days, we're doing our Ziggler business owner boot camp right here in our offices. I leave town Saturday, going to Poland first. One of our Ziggler Legacy certified trainers is having an event, Yarek, and I'm working with him on it. We're doing a full day. And then from there, I fly to Amsterdam, just outside of Amsterdam. Don Smith is holding a business owner born to win boot camp there and Howard Partridge is joining me. So we got a bunch of business owners coming to that one. And then I fly down to London and go up to Oxford and potentially two events there, one on the campus. There's an academic conference going on at Oxford. So I'm not sure if the schedule is going to work, but I might get to speak at Oxford. So that would be Oxford, Cambridge, and Harvard, where I've given presentations. That's uh, that's weighty. I like so it. So that's, that's kind of cool. I like that. And I'll just tell my academic joke. Uh, when I was at Harvard speaking, a bunch of academics in the room, all of them with, you know, IQs off the charts. And I'm giving them, you know, Zig Ziglar's impact on business. And I'm telling my stories, telling the jokes that work everywhere in the world, except for apparently... <laughs> Harvard and Cambridge, and I don't know about Oxford yet because I haven't been there. Yeah. And so I tell them the one joke that worked, and here it is. I leaned into the audience, all these PhDs, and I said, you know, we analyzed all of my father's writings, and what we discovered is that he wrote at the seventh grade, third month level. And do you want to know why he wrote at that level? And you could just feel all these academics leaning in. And I said, well, that's simple. This is what dad said. He said he wrote at the seventh grade, third month level, so that that way even college professors could understand it. Ah, brilliant. And they laughed. They they thought that was pretty clever. So uh, after that event, hopefully that happens at Oxford. I'm going to be speaking uh, in the, the town of Oxford for David Duffett. He's one of our Ziggler Legacy certified uh-huh. trainers there. And then I come back home and I'm at home for a couple of days. And then I get to go to Las Vegas and do a presentation in Vegas, which is going to be uh, really cool for a weekend. So really in the next three weeks, I'm going to be gone a lot of it. Um, and in the middle of all that, the Ziggler headquarters is leaving. So we're 
we are moving office locations. Excellent. So like the supreme leader that I am, <laughs> I have managed to leave the country while everybody is moving the stuff. That is strategic leadership right there. I know. And so what I tell people is when the going gets tough, the tough go to Europe. So <laughs> <laughs> while, while, the office, while the staff moves the office. All right. What? Yeah. So that's the update. All right. The thing I want to know is when you're going over there, because most of my endeavors of any type are focused around food and drink. What are you looking forward to over there? I have told our hosts, uh, and we have great hosts. Look, I want to eat what you guys eat. I am not a food snob. I like regional food. I like family cooking. So I'm hopeful that they're going to take me to the quote unquote dives that exist in uh -huh. Warsaw and Amsterdam and in uh, uh, England and Oxford. So okay. I'm just going to partake of what the locals do. And that'll be fun. All right. Well, I, I'm, I know you'll knock it out of the park with all the business endeavors. I only want texts and pictures that reference the food experiences. So that's, <laughs> okay, you that's, got it. that's my request. Thanks. All right. But, well, you know, yeah. But just to think about this, um, when, when I think of this podcast and the, the tens of thousands of listeners we have around the world, you know, who would have thought that the legacy of Zig Ziglar would allow me to keep going and sharing his message. And the best part about it is the way that dad created it was he doesn't want me or anybody listening just to repeat what he said. He wants you to internalize it, make it your own, make it relevant to today's audience, keep the principles and values there and carry it forward. So I have to tell you that is, that's really cool. That's a blessing. Uh, anytime I think of our podcast, and the people listening, I get emails from them all the time. Uh, we appreciate you, uh, the support that you give, and it's pretty cool being able to go out and do there. So just a big thank you to everybody. Oh, my gosh, absolutely. Who would have thought when I was a kid listening to Ziggler, so my uh, parents would give me an attitude adjustment, uh, check out from the neck up, and uh, that was with Zig, that I would be here today getting to help continue this message. Well, this speaking of message, this is one of all his messages. We, this, this was this was deep. It was a more serious message, and I think it's one that is it needs to be broken down for better digestion. Here, I mean, he leads off saying, "When you blame someone all your life for your problems, then forgive them. You can no longer blame them. That means you're now accepting responsibility for your future and your life." And, and I want to dissect that a little bit, Tom, because at face value, it, it's a little harsh. I mean, it, so I looked up the definition of blame, and it says to assign responsibility for a fault or a wrong. And I was thinking about that. I mean, of course, there are times when we are victimized by others or circumstances in so many ways. I mean, if uh, I was thinking, you know, if an analogy, if a coworker has an infraction uh, at work and blames me and I lose my job, that person was wrong and they're to blame for me losing my job. Even if I forgive them, it's still true. But what we're talking about here is using that reality as an excuse to why I can't overcome and, and triumph and why I continue on in bitterness. So to a degree, isn't that what we're talking about, Tom, is, is excuses, Absolutely. And sometimes the excuses are completely justified. They make all the reasonable sense in the world. When you see somebody who has experienced horrific abuse 
or they were involved in an accident, you know, that was clearly somebody else's fault. And it's a life changing thing. It could be a physical disability and incapacitation of some way. And society ourselves, we look at that situation and we think, yeah, you've got every right to feel that way. The challenge with that is that is not the best next step to take because the reality is, is while circumstances beyond our control happen to us that we're not responsible for, we didn't do anything to cause it. In fact, dad goes into specifics in that clip on that. Yet when I look out and, and I look at the world and I see people and I get two kinds of emails, you know, this is generally speaking, some of them come in and they give me their life story and they talk about how happy, how blessed, how successful, how grateful they are. And I just thank God that I didn't have to walk the same shoes they did because I, there's no way I could have the results and the attitude and the outcome that they've had. And then I see the other emails, which are everything's horrible. I could never be anything. These things happen to them. And I look at their circumstances and I go, well, really, that's not good. But that's nothing compared to what these other people have gone through. But here's the reality. We have to make a decision. We have to make a choice. And that is, are we going to let the circumstances, the things of our past, determine our happiness, our joy, our gratitude, our level of success in the future, because that's really the only decision that matters today. And so when we make that decision to take responsibility for our future, then that allows us to put our past in perspective. And here's what I mean by putting our past in perspective. We're not saying it didn't happen. We're acknowledging that it did. It's real. It's reality. That happened. And then we forgive those who trespassed against us, not for their benefit. They may not even want our forgiveness because, uh, Kevin, unfortunately, we live in a fallen world and there's just some evil people out there. Mm -hmm. But we forgive them for our own benefit. It's good to forgive them. And if they accept the forgiveness and there's remorse and everything, that is that's a bonus. But we forgive them for our own benefit so that we can put that chapter behind us, as difficult as it is, and then we can look forward. And this is where Dad's quote is so powerful. He says, our past is important, but not near as important as how we see our future. And so here is the, here is the, the, the pen, the top of the pen, the top of the spear, the, the razor's edge of what we mean. We cannot let our past cloud the vision that we have of our future. And if it is, then we've got to reconcile and ask for forgiveness and move on from our past. Because anytime we allow our past to prevent the future that God created for us, that's a self-inflicted wound and it's just not worth it. Yeah. Okay. What you said within that, that it's so often it's justified. That feeling, that, that anger, that, uh, that blame, it's justified. It makes all the sense in the world. You've got every right to feel that way. But why would we want to confine and limit ourselves to that? That's, that's, big, that's big stuff, Tom. Well, I, I want to take that a, a step further, too, because here we're talking about people in a sense. 
but we've also just got circumstances. I mean, someone, it's, sometimes it's not a person who is to blame. Uh, it's, it's just an event. It's uh, an accident. It's a faulty whatever that's to blame. But will it overcome me? And I'll use it as an excuse to be minimized. I mean, my gosh, that's, you know, that's your dad's story. That's Zig's story. He had every reason being one of uh, so many kids and his dad dying young and going to work at such an early age. I mean, he had every reason to blame his circumstances, and yet he didn't because he wanted freedom. But when we're talking about living a blame-free life, Tom, and I think, yeah, as you said, it's a fallen world. That propensity to blame is lodged in our heads naturally. I mean, we see it with little kids. They weren't taught how to do that. It just comes out naturally. But falling victim to that, I mean, we're talking about some big, life-changing, dramatically paradigm-shifting uh, reality here. I mean, th- this is not easy stuff. I mean, how often do you bump up against this as you're working with people who are trying to inspire their true performance, and yet this is, this is an anchor, So Tom has a profound reply here that we can all apply to our lives immediately. Before he gives it, I want to thank another sponsor of today's episode, Zip Recruiter. We've got a lot of business owners in the Ziegler audience. And if you own or run a business, you have to hire and find quality team members. Do you know where to post your job to find the best candidates? Posting your job in one place is not enough to find quality candidates. I know I've done it. I've gone through that hassle. If you want to find the perfect hire, you need to post your job on all the top job sites. And now you can with ZipRecruiter.com. You can post your job to 100 plus job sites, including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter, all with a single click. You can find candidates in any city or industry nationwide. Just post once, watch your qualified candidates roll into ZipRecruiter's easy to use interface. No juggling emails or calls to your office. Quickly screen candidates, rate them, and hire the right person fast. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by over 1 million businesses. And right now, Ziggler listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash free trial. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash free trial. Yeah. You know, there's two kind of catchphrases that go along uh, with this that are good anchors for us to remember. Uh, Until now and anyway. Hmm. So some people say, well, you know, I could never do that or I couldn't get that promotion or why would I go after that job or why would I move to that other city? I mean, they're not going to like me there. And, you know, and, and they point to their past as all the reasons why they shouldn't. And so whenever that kind of thinking comes in, you just put the words until now. Hmm. Well, until now, I never would have enrolled in college. But now is different because now I'm looking at my future and I know that stepping out in faith, taking that chance and rolling in college is exactly what I need to do. Until now, I wouldn't have gone for that promotion but I'm doing all these little things on a daily basis that's building my foundation, that's increasing my self-esteem, that's changing my thinking. So that is a great phrase. It's a, it's a, it's a great behavior. And, of course, the self-talk card mm-hmm. uh, is a great tool to use. And, you know, our listeners have been avid. We've had several, I don't know how many thousands of downloads we've had just from our listeners on the self-talk card. It's the most popular uh 
feedback we get as far as testimonial. Uh, And then the second two words that I love is anyway. Uh, You know what? I I lost a leg and I've got a prosthetic, but I'm going to dance anyway. Mm. I I lost that job, uh, but I'm going to give it 100% anyway. That relationship that I counted on that went south beyond my control, I lost faith and trust uh, in a person and I'm hurt to the core. I'm going to love and trust again anyway. And so I like those two phrases because when we look at the great stories of life, the, the people who rise above the ashes, that's what they really are saying is, you know, until now I thought that way, but now it's different. Today is different. I'm going to go forward. And anyway, you know, I don't, I don't care if I'm, you know, a hobbit in, in, uh, and Tolkien, and I'm three feet tall. I'm going into battle. I'm taking my my mm. knife, which looks like a sword. I'm going in anyway. And there's a third phrase that I like, and uh, it's I say this in jest. My one of my mentors, uh, Dale Dotson, who's on our board, uh, he uses a phrase to get people's attention. He says, "Are you kidding me?" And what it is is he'll hear an excuse in a conversation. And he'll go, are you kidding me? And you're like, no, what, what do you mean? Am I kidding? Are you kidding me? And we'll say, well, no, I'm not. This is serious. And then he'll say, are you kidding me? The reason you say you can't is the very reason you should. A lot of times people who've been wounded in a specific area and they never want to, they never want to grow in that area again because the wound is so deep. And I say, are you kidding me? I believe you're being called to help others in that area because you've experienced the wound. Yeah. You've got a deeper level of understanding. And not only that, you know where the stove is hot. And so when you go back into that area with a new perspective, you do it differently. You learn from that. And so you look at your past as a learning experience rather than a calamity, a disaster, a, you know, something that can never be recovered from. Uh, I, I would much rather do life with people who've been broken mm-hmm. because of circumstances that are beyond their control or maybe even mistakes that they've made and they've recovered from because there's a deepness and a richness to that that you don't find on Facebook. I mean, who shares that kind of stuff on Facebook? How do you build a relationship in that? We want to do life with people who've, you know, who's, who've cried the same tears and, and, and built the same calluses that we have. And when they can say, look at my callus, look at my scar, look at my tear, don't go there. I'm listening to that guy. I'm listening to that woman. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're talking, it's like the emails you referenced that, so many things happen to so many people and why are there some that it, they take that and it strengthens and equips them and others it overcomes and weakens and confines them. You also mentioned the self-talk cards and folks, if you have not heard about that, please do yourself, do your life, do everybody's life who is ever going to be involved with you again, a favor and go to Ziggler.com slash self-talk. Uh, it's they're free and you literally it's a download of Zig self-talk cards. I think there's two versions, a, a regular one and then a more biblical based one. 
and uh, take them, use them verbatim, take them and tweak them for yourself. But that exercise in itself, yeah, as Tom said, absolutely. I've, n- I've not seen more testimony to any resource uh, of Ziegler more than that one, especially yeah, here on the podcast since we made those available probably a year and a half ago. Uh, please go get it, com slash self-talk. Well, so Zig next talks about if every, and this is, this is his quote, imagine if every time you love someone, you're given an extra portion of energy and of life. And every time you let anger control your life, unforgiveness, bitterness, a double portion of that energy is burned. You're actually shortening your life. Well, Tom, I talked a little bit on the same message in uh, the last show from from Zig's presentation uh, about when we are giving our energy to anger and unforgiveness, we're hurting ourselves and all those around us. Uh, But again, it's still something. We can hear that. We can nod to it. But to take that and reconcile it with something that has happened, an infraction in our life, that does happen where we do have anger and it's natural anger. It could even be righteous anger. I mean, that is relevant. I mean, we're not robots and you know, Zig was not just Pollyanna and nothing affected him. But, uh, so there, I mean, again, it's a big thing to grapple with. That thing is there's people listening right now who are in the, the clenches of anger and it is, it's anger worthy stuff. But, uh, and you saw this. I mean, you saw I mean, so many times people ask about Zig. What's it like growing up with Zig? I mean, you saw, surely you saw him get angry in a moment, but, but what do you do from there? Right. And, and when I, I mean, to be truthful, the, the times when I saw dad become angry, uh, of course that was very controlled, but it was in defense of somebody he loved. If somebody made a false attack or a false accusation against somebody he loved, uh, I just have to tell you, Papa Bear came out. Mm. And here's part of the solution to this is a lot of times when we are angry, we it's because we are taking personal offense that somebody disagrees or they've wronged us or they do something that makes our life tougher. You know, they've they've not answered the question the way we wanted them to, or they disagree with what we believe. And so the way you head that off is really, it's really two simple things that you can do. And and when I say simple, I don't mean that, hey, you flip the switch and it's done. I mean, there's two things you can work on every single day that get you to the place where dad was. And that is this. He was constantly working on himself in such a way that his self-worth, his value, his self-image, his honesty, his integrity, who he was as a person, he had no doubt. And so when somebody attacks your integrity and you're completely comfortable that you have integrity, you don't have to get angry. You don't even have to defend yourself because everybody who knows you and all the actions that you've done, all the behaviors that you've exhibited, they will stand witness for you. And I've learned as I've gotten older and more mature and people will come to me and they'll say, hey, did you hear what so-and-so said? And I'm like, yeah, so. And they're like, well, don't you want to do something about it? And I'm like, well, consider who the source is. I don't need to, you know, I I just know that where where I am is fine. Now, dad had a very faith-based spiritual uh, uh, perspective and that was this. He only had 
two responsibilities in his life. Have a, a vibrant relationship with God. That was his number one priority. And number two is speak God's truth and love. And when that's the way you walk through life, you understand that when you speak the truth and love, you have no responsibility as to how they receive it. And because you don't have any responsibility of how they receive it, it's not a popularity contest. You're not saying and doing things to get people to like you. You're saying and doing things because it's the truth and you love people and you want the best for them. And so when you have that position, you know, whose you are and who you are, then these attacks that come in, they don't they don't rub you the wrong way. And you could so that's how a personal attack or whatever wasn't a threat to dad. Mm -hmm. When somebody else was uh, going after somebody he loved or respected or knew different than that's when he got upset. And he would immediately flip over from angry to action. What can I do? And so here is the, so that first part is foundational. It's philosophical. It's what I've got to grow in myself. The second piece, now this is tactical. There is, an, um, there is a period of time between when you intake information, you logically process it, and it creates an emotional response. And for some people, it's, you know, it's very short. It's a half a second. It's a second. It's two seconds. For others, it can be longer. But here's what I recommend is slow it down and recognize when that negative information is coming in. You can control that space. And then you can determine whether you're going to react or respond. And one of the great ways to do that is to plan in advance of how you're going to respond. Now, this is a simple thing that all of us can master. And dad talks about it in almost all of his recordings. He talks about when his plane is canceled. He's at the counter of the gate agent says, Mr. Ziegler, I'm sorry, your plane is delayed or it's canceled. And he already had a pre-programmed response. Fantastic. And the gate agent would always be amazed. Well, why do you say that? You know, you're not going to get home tonight. Well, fantastic. And dad had all this reasoning, you know, the plane's not flying because of weather, mechanical issues or the flight crew. And if any of those are true, I don't want to be up there. I want to be down here. The point is, is that in every part of our life, there are things that if we allow it will disappoint us and derail us. But if we plan in advance our response, we can overcome 90, 95 percent of the anger just by having a, pl a planned response. And so a great technique, a great idea is simply ask yourself, you know, what made me angry today? And three or four things. Maybe people are perpetually late. You know, maybe they're putting you off on your schedule, whatever. What could be a planned response for that that would dilute, that would get rid of the anger but allow you to deal with the issue? Mm -hmm. That's what dad focused on. First, becoming the right kind of person. Second, planning in advance how you're going to respond. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, when you taught, when we first started talking about anger, that was my thought is that people with, and you said, I wrote down self-image, confidence, faith. You said self-worth, self-value. They don't get angry that much. And that's what we see because they don't have much reason to. It reminded me, Tom, of being offended. Somebody told me one time, being offended is a choice. It always stuck with me at some point because I had some people in my life who would use that for, I'm so offended. And after hearing that, I thought, well, 
okay, why would you choose to do that? It's like reaching down and grabbing a bunch of mud and smearing it all over yourself. Go to, gosh, I'm so muddy. Well, <laughs> if, why would you, you can choose that if you want to, but man, that feels bad. Right. And here's the, here's the paradox of someone who's easily offended. You can't tell a person who is easily offended that they're easily offended. <laughs> it's, it's, that would be offensive. Yeah. It's offensive, right? <laughs> yeah. And then easily offended people in general, they become easily offended. They, be, they are easily offended because they read your mind and they read your heart. In other words, they have a gift that allows them to see into the other person and judge intent. Hmm. And when you when you say that, then what that does is then they are convinced that you're reading their mind and their heart. And so you see the paradox. Mm-hmm. They do what offends them. And because they're easily offended, you you could, it's very difficult to even coach them out of it. Yes. And yes. so being easily offended is one of the greatest burdens in life. Uh, and, and I have to tell you, there are in the spectrum of the world, you know, there are the optimistic good finders. That's the way I was raised. I expect and plan and anticipate the best from everyone around me. And I get burned more than the average person because I have the open arms and I'm, you know, expect the best. And some people don't have the best, uh, but I also get to experience a lot of relationships at a higher level than other people don't. Yeah. There's the other end of the spectrum who anticipate everybody's trying to take advantage of them. Mm. Boy, that's a miserable life to live. And uh, that's where, Kevin, I got pretty lucky in who I married because we balance each other pretty well. I'm more on the, hey, everything's good, and she's on the, hey, we need to to trust but verify page. And so I will oftentimes go home and say, hey, what do you think about so-and-so? And if her eyebrows go up and she says something, then I still have a good time with them, but I'm just a little bit on the wary side. If I didn't have her, I wouldn't even have that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hey, I understand that. I was thinking as you talked about this, that, uh, and there is, there's relevant to, to that relevance, that balance. I have that some with my wife as well. But when we first got together, um, young married couple and you're all shopping and use some coupons and things like that, man, she would pour over that receipt with expectation of being of it being fraudulent and of course i just I, I could care less and it's interesting she's talked even in recent years tom after 23 years of marriage she cited it at not that long ago and she said man i remember when i used to do that and she doesn't anymore at all she says one i don't have time to, to mess with it you know we, we we shop and stuff so much but we don't have time to mess up but she says also what if what if throughout the year i'm built a hundred bucks you know, whether it was intended or not, you know, the machine didn't work. I didn't get the discount. It charged me too much. What if I lost hundred bucks? What if I lost 500? She says that the stress and the energy that used to take from me, she said, it's not worth it. I'll give a thousand bucks towards that. It was interesting to hear, not to take away from the validity and the value of trusting, you know, verifying, like you talked about some things, but I think that's the point is looking at what is the, how much does it tax your soul? How does it, how's your attitude amongst that? So let me, let me give you the Zig Ziglar example on that. This is how I was raised. We would go out to eat, the bill would come and dad would look at it and he would examine it. 
and what he was doing is we would talk about it. He had done the math in his head of everything that was bought at the table and he was calculating tax in his head and he was trying to see how close he got. And so he could look at that total and go, that's off. Now here's what's the interesting thing is it was 50, 50 when there was a mistake, 50% of the time it was in our favor and 50% of the time it was in wherever we were buying's favor. In other words, we'd go to a restaurant and they would forget to add the Coke or the, or the dessert or whatever. And so, Dad, it didn't matter. This is integrity across the board. It didn't matter whether it was in our favor or in their favor. He'd call them over and he'd say, hey, you know what? You didn't charge us for this. And they'd be like, oh, thank you so much. And they would go back and fix it. Or they'd say, oh, well, that's on the house. You know, thanks for letting us know. And so as a little boy growing up and watching this, I could see him using that little exercise to improve his, his mental power to uh, make a point of integrity. And he never got offended either way. I mean, you know, and and let's face it, today's mistakes because of the computerization of things, there just aren't as many mistakes as there used to be. It's usually either an extra item got put on or left off now. It's never math issues anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but that was back when math was a big deal when you went out to eat or when you bought something, so... Yeah, that's interesting. Interesting that he did that. That's uh, a little insight into Zig Ziglar. <laughs> I like, I like that. Uh, as far as just adding things up, looking for tax. Interesting. Well, he says next in this message, the strong and the wise need to admit they have weaknesses. Uh, that's a healthy self-image, and to know that we need help. And to me, Tom, it was—it's kind of talking about two different things there. I think anyone in their right mind, hopefully, would admit that. Okay, sure, I have some weaknesses, but getting help is another manner. I mean, we like, as a culture, you know this, we love self-help and personal development. That's the business that Ziegler's in. But uh, getting, you know, well, that's why the books and the audios and the podcasts and blogs, they're devoured in such massive quantities. But to actually get help, personal help from a coach, a consultant, a trainer, a counselor, I mean, as a culture, that is still, the people that do that, still so few and far between. However, and I realized this years ago, Tom, as I was interviewing people and talking with successful people, I've rarely ever talked with somebody who's achieved a good level of true success who has not had some significant personal individual guidance from another, whether it's a mentor or whether it's a paid coach, consultant, counselor. Uh, how have you seen this played out as you have been involved in Ziegler and those successful people all your life? You know, this is a real mystery to me because people will oftentimes, you know, spend time and money uh, in areas that don't have any long-term benefit. And in fact, have long-term downside, regular basis, whether it's uh, addictive bad habits Uh, you know, upgrading their cable to get all the movie channels. They'll do all these kind of things because it's entertainment, it's easy, it's lazy. And yet, when you ask them to invest in themselves, they go, oh, that's a lot of money. You know, that's $100. And and I look at it and I go, I bet you spent $1,000 at Starbucks. Mm. Right? I mean, that's, that's the way it is. So my question is, if your relationship at home on a scale of one to 10, if it's an eight, 
what would happen if it went to a nine? And probably all we're talking about is just a, a marriage encounter weekend or a couple's retreat or, you know, eat, you know, reading a couple of books together through the year. I mean, we're talking like minimal investment, but the commitment and the support that you get from each other is incredible. Yeah. One of the things that also I've seen a lot is, is I will have a conversation with an executive and I'll say to him in one breath, hey, what's what's the most important thing in your life? And they'll go, Oh, my family, you know, my relationship with my spouse, my, my kids. And, you know, our marriage is really strong. I've got the home court advantage and I'll say, Hey, that's great. You know, we've got this family event coming up. It's, it's $199. Do you want to come? Oh no, I, I can't do that. You know, we're pretty busy and da, 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 And I'll wait an hour and later on I'll come back and I'll say, Hey, you know, I know you're in sales. Uh, we have this sales class coming up. Uh, it's a thousand dollars. Do you want to come? Oh yeah, here's my credit card. Mm -hmm. And what they've just said is that their sales success is dependent upon their relationship at home, and they'll instantly pay a thousand dollars for sales, but not even a couple hundred dollars for their marriage. And so a lot of times, I think that, uh, and I use this example in 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 financial area of our life. People usually don't put together a financial game plan for their life until one of the two D's happens, the dream or the disaster. Mm. When people are in a financial disaster, they suddenly discover how to budget. They suddenly discover how to get control of their credit cards. They suddenly discover how to make decision, buying decisions based on priority because their car just got repossessed. They have no money. And so they learn the foundational skills of, of budgeting and financial management in the disaster. Well, guess what? There's a far better way to do it, and that's to have a dream. And the dream is, this is how I want to end my life. This is the legacy I want to live, leave. This is the uh, how I want to spend my retirement. This is uh, the trips that I want to take, the vacation home that I want to have, the nonprofits I want to support. And when your dream gets really compelling, really big, really powerful, then it's easier. It's far easier to make sacrifices for today. Hey, I'm not going to spend that at Starbucks. I'm going to put that into my retirement fund. Mm -hmm. But the dream is what builds it. And so the people who are struggling today and you're like, you know what? That coach is a lot of money or that marriage counselor is a lot of money or that whatever that help that whatever that excess help is why don't you pay to dream of what it could be and then that dream will justify making little sacrifices that really add up to nothing so you can get not not good or better so you can get the best mm -hmm. why wouldn't you go for a 10 even if you're at an 8 because we know the difference between 8 and 5, that's huge. Well, I can tell you the difference between 8 and 10. It's like the Richter scale. It's even better. Okay, well, let me ask you on that because you just hit on an analogy that's been a part of my life for a lot of years. So let's talk about marriage, especially when we talk about relationships. When we are, let's say we're at an 8. Say, hey, my marriage, it's, it's an 8. Well, you say, well, do you want it to be a 10? Anybody would say, well, sure. However, generally, you talk about marriage counseling, you talk about... Uh, a marriage encounter, a seminar, a course that you go to, a weekend at church or whatever, generally 
If we're at that eight to get to that 10, we're going to have to dig into some stuff and we're going to drop down to a four for a little while. And we don't want to do that, especially us guys. Uh, we do not want to, uh, you know, just like uh, gaining weight, uh, muscle weight. I mean, you got to tear that muscle down for it to build up. I've always being a pro athlete. I had to learn that being out there training. I'm not getting stronger. Then I'm getting weaker. I'm ripping my muscles apart. I'm getting weaker. I'm getting stronger when I eat, when I sleep, when I recover. So, so back to that, Tom, and I literally want to ask you about that. I think especially relationally, and in a lot of ways, we don't want to jeopardize where we are at now, even if it's a seven or an eight, we don't want to jeopardize, we don't want to risk going down to the misery of a four in order to dig into some stuff, under, understand some stuff, uncover some things and build and work out and then grow back, recover up to a nine or a 10. And I think a lot of people, I mean, I, I relate to that. I relate that. Do I want a 10? Yes. Do I want to dig down and go down it? so then it's forcing me, I guess that's where you're coming to. Okay. You've got to get a hope and a vision big enough that you will. Right. And this is, you started off this little piece with, you know, wise people understand Mm -hmm. uh, that they have weaknesses, that they have the capacity to make a mistake, make a bad decision. Uh, There's a great saying that I heard somebody say, and and these two people were talking about, um, somebody who was in the news, influential, probably a Christian background, uh, maybe even a pastor, and they'd fallen from grace. You know, they'd made a catastrophically bad moral decision. And somebody said, well, I would never do that. And boy, you know, as soon as I hear those words, my experience and what I see in the world is you've just set yourself up perfect to have that same fall. Mm. And so this other guy said, well, there's this phrase that I always say, and here it is. Just because I never have doesn't mean I never will. And so here's the problem with being a complacent eight versus trying to learn to be a 10. When I'm a complacent eight, we get this false sense of security, this arrogance that says, hey, you know what? Everything's good. You know, none of that would ever happen. I I can... I can get by. I, I can work, you know, 60 hours a week every week for the next month. I can go on this guy's trip. I, I can do these things because, hey, our, everything's good. And meanwhile, this erosion is happening underneath. And then all of a sudden we move from an eight to a four, not by choice, but because of bad decisions. That we, it is by choice, but but not because we've decided to go to the foundation and shore it up, but because we weren't taking care of the foundation. So here's the reality. The world is a constantly attacking our foundation. Who we are, what we believe in, our principles and values, the world is constantly trying to erode it away. And so the question is, are we going in there and purposely building it up so that we can go to the 10? Or are we hoping and praying that the stream doesn't divert in our direction and take us down because we haven't put the attention there that it needs to have. And so, you know, this is a big one. So Mm -hmm. what happens, you know, if if you have two people who, who are committed and love each other and they want the best for each other and they really believe that their role in life is to provide the environment that will allow their spouse to fulfill the purpose that God created them for. 
when you have somebody who believes that, and that's the number one priority, then the work you got to do, it, it may be a little messy at times, but the benefit of it is is so extreme. And the gratitude from the other side, one of the reports that I read, uh, oh, and Kevin, by the way, I often call myself a nerd and I've been coached that I'm not a nerd. Uh, so no longer will you hear me call myself a nerd. Somebody named me an intellectual architect. So, Wow. Okay. I'll, I'll, I like that. Yeah, I'll get you that T-shirt. Uh, uh, Rick Rusin named me that. So thanks, Rick, for that. Uh, but as an intellectual architect, I, I remember all these things. So here is a great uh, analogy for this. Relationships and marriages that work at the very highest level, what they'll do is they'll do this little profile and each spouse will rate themselves on all these characteristics and then they'll rate their spouse on those characteristics. And when they compare the list, the spouse will rate their partner higher in every characteristic than their partner rates themselves. Wow. And it's two-way street. So the wife thinks the husband's more than he thinks he is, and the husband thinks the wife is more than what she thinks she is. Isn't that cool that two people could walk through life side by side, each believing the others more than they think themselves? That's, that's significant. Well, so on that note there, Tom, I want to wrap up with really the last thing that Ziggs talked about in the message, and you know this story well. Uh, well, no, it was just an analogy. So how would you feel if you got a positive testimony and encouragement phone call uh, that sang your praises the day before you went into work or, or went about your – the morning you went about your day? How would you feel? And you remember that story, and he talks about that. Uh, I mean, you'd just be on cloud nine. You'd be more confident. You'd be more hopeful. You'd be more – uh, competent even. So, okay. So we get that. And Tom, I know in the position that you are, you do get a good amount of daily encouragement and testimony to what you're doing. And I got it. I got to admit I, I do as well. I'm in that place, but I know there are a lot of people who are very isolated. They're not getting that encouragement. Their phone is not going to ring and give them that incredible jolt of positivity juice in a morning. So they are left there right there where they are right now figuring out, okay, how do I do that for myself tomorrow morning? I want you to give just a couple of your personal experiences, whether it was you or somebody else. Now, we talked about the self-talk cards. Of course, that's got to be a primary one. But just a couple others for those who feel like, okay, that's not going to happen to me. How do I manufacture that for myself? Yep, and this is very... uh I mean, this this is a very common statement. I can I can actually hear Dad's voice in my head uh, as I remember this segment. He said, "If you go out looking for friends, they're hard to find. If you go out to be a friend, they're everywhere. And for those who are lonely, for those who are discouraged, for those who are looking for that word of encouragement, just know that you are. Guess what?" you're part of the 95% of the people out there who are in the exact same boat because everybody is hungry for hope and encouragement, a kind word, an attaboy, a pat on the back, a job well done. 
And what I would tell you is that uh, if we were to do data, because I'm an intellectual architect, if 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 we were to do data on this, you could look at my own data points in my life. The more people I've encouraged, the more emails that I've written that have been encouraging, the more texts that I've sent that have been encouraging, the more one-on-one-on conversations were in my mind. I was purposely encouraging someone. The amount of encouragement comes back to me is exponential. Mm. And so we build ourselves. We listen to the right information. We read that self-talk card. And then we go tell other people how great they are. <laughs> and, and I guarantee you, your life will turn upside down. When you start recognizing the greatness in other people, as simple as what dad used to do. I mean, he would be there 78 years old. We'd be out at a coffee shop and, you know, the, the, the waitress would come by two or three times and, she would say, do you need any more? And he'd say, yeah, just a second. Let me tell you something. And then he would comment about something about her personality, uh, her level of service, her attentiveness. Sometimes it was very observant. Hey, I noticed how you took care of that family over there. They've got a two-year-old and I saw you get the crayons and you helped clean up. I just want you to know I appreciate that. Mm. And it's like their whole day was made, you know, that somebody was just noticing them. And dad would get a big kick out of it. And he'd just kind of smile at us and wink. But that's that was his heart. Well, and that reminds me of what we talked about earlier with uh, the fact that he's doing that, what it brightened that person's day. But what did it do for him? What does it do for us internally when we do that? Okay, so there you go, folks. There's your counsel from Tom Ziegler. If you wish that you had like Zig's story in the message that he gave. If you wish that that phone call would come from somebody you respected that gave you that glaring testimony, raving testimony to you and to your value. If you would love to have that, you can't make that happen tomorrow morning, but you might make it happen next week, next month. Uh, and in the following days to come, if you will do that for somebody else, we all have that power. Tom, it's great. I'm thinking I'm going to go back to uh, my other office here shortly and uh, see who can I do that to face to face right there, man, always a gift to do these with you, Tom. I get to be taught by Zig and then I get to sit here and learn from you as well. I love it, brother. Thank you. Hey, I appreciate you. You do a fantastic job. Uh, we've got, we've got great listeners from every end of the spectrum and some of them just send us love notes every single day. Like we're the best thing. And then, some people call in and they say, you know what, if you could do this a little bit different, I think it'd be better. We appreciate both of you because that's our goal. Yep. We want to get better. We want to uh, grow this thing. If there are things in this podcast that you wish we did or didn't do, let us know. We need to know. Uh, we're growing. We get great feedback. And because of that, we keep going down this path. But uh, you're you're why we're here. If you weren't listening, we wouldn't be here. So, Hey, and, yep. you, and folks, you can do that. Uh, just email us feedback at zigshow.com. Yeah, please let us know. Give us an idea for a show if you want to, but send in your questions. If today's commentary, if the discussion that we had today raised some ideas, some thoughts, some comments, some concerns, a question, send it. Tom and I will talk about it in an upcoming Q&A show. So please do that. Folks, thank you for being here. Thanks for letting us 
walk with you as we all inspire our true performance. Performance.